Uh, can you help me with David Copperfield? Ah, yes, Dickens. No. A big one? Uh, no, Edmund Wells. I think you'll find Charles Dickens wrote David Copperfield, sir. No, no, Dickens wrote David Copperfield with two Ps. This is David Copperfield with one P by Edmund Wells. David Copperfield with one P? Yes, I should have said. Yes, well, in that case, we don't have it. Funny, you've got a lot of books here. Yes, we do, but we don't have David Copperfield with one P by Edmund Wells. Are you quite sure? Quite. Not worth just looking? Definitely not. Uh, how about Great Expectations? Yes, well, we have that. That's G-R-A-T-E Expectations, also by Edmund Wells. Yes, well, in that case, we don't have it. We don't have anything by Edmund Wells, actually. He's not very popular. Not Nicholas Nickleby? That's K-N-I-C-K-E-R-L-E-S-S? -S. No. Christmas Carol with a K? No. Uh, how about A Sale of Two Titties? Definitely not. my story reading baby you should hear the things that she says she says hun drop dead i'd rather go to bed with gabriel garcia marquez cuddle up with william s burroughs leave on the light for bell hooks i've been flirting with pierre burton because he's so smart in his books i like to go out dancing my baby loves a bunch of authors my heart's so broken bleeding baby's just sitting there doing some reading Welcome, sexy librarians, to Geek Salad episode 153, Hooked on Pahonics, Working for We. That sounds about right, yeah. 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 I'm Andy. I'm Mike. I'm Joe. I'm Catherine. And today, we're getting all literate up in your ass here and talking about books. That's right. We're going highbrow, you bitches. Exactly. I'm so. learned. I thought about bringing white wine since it's like book club day. Oh, it's your book club day. And Mike, by the way, it's pronounced learned. Learned. I thought it was learned. I just it is learned, but that's a Homer Simpson thing. It, it depends. Actually. Oh, honey, it's pronounced learned. I went to the library and looked at my bookies. The way to make sure that people read it correctly is to have an accent over the E to know that they have to pronounce it. Oh. <laughs> But it's like, I learned something. It's not, I learned something. Yes, exactly. I learned something, and now I am learned. So, I mean, this is... I'm amazed that it's taken us 153 episodes to actually get to books. Books? I books. never suggested it because you guys had never done it, and it never came up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I suggested it to him a couple weeks ago. He's like, and I'm like yeah. you fuck it. Fuck it, we need something for November. Because yeah. <laughs> none of you, us are literary snobs. You dank, <laughs> you dank month, you. <laughs> and I think, yeah, all of us, I mean, I've, especially because, you know, Joe and Catherine, I went to high school with you guys. You guys yeah. were voracious readers. I mean, weren't we all on the literary magazine? Yes, yes we, we were. God damn, we're nerds. <laughs> I'm going to write more sad poetry right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to write sad, poorly disguised short stories about guys I have crushes on. <laughs> One time, one time John came up to me and was like, you know, you really shouldn't use a, the same character name in one story as your pen name for another story. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, fuck. God damn it. Who's, who's Bat Brooks? <laughs> so, yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know about you guys. I, mean, I still love to read, but I just find it lately difficult. I audiobook. Yeah, yeah, I I okay. yeah, yeah, that's something with a longer commute I've got now. I've learned the joys of Audible. 
Yeah, I have Audible, and I also have, um, I'm in the, the Central Western Mass Library System, which has, uh, uses Overdrive, so you can borrow audiobooks. Tons for, for of audiobooks, two, yeah. Yeah, for free for two weeks. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was doing that for a while. The problem is, is that I didn't realize that you could actually make it go a little faster. Oh, yeah. Which would make more sense, because it took me like six weeks to listen to the ESPN 30th anniversary tell-all book. <laughs> Which essentially almost sounds like Ray Liotta's narration in Goodfellas. Oh, boy. <laughs> Let me tell you something about Rick, Rick, about Chris Berman. That dude loves to steal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, was, I went through a quandary a few years ago where I'm like, you know, there's a wealth of stuff like on my, on my e-reader and, you know, just through the library because I'm also part of the CWMR's yep. thing. And I'm like, oh, there's so many books. I just don't know what to read. And I put it out on Facebook, like, guys, I'm having a bit of a dilemma here. Nothing is grabbing me. What should I read? And this guy knows, a friend of mine on Facebook, comes into the store, and he's like, oh, I saw your posting about not knowing what to read. I'm like, oh, do you have a suggestion? He's like, yeah, my suggestion is, just don't read. That's what I do. Oh, oh good God. God. And my retort was, yeah, because I've seen your political posts on Facebook, so. <laughs> well, the thing is, it's, it's, I generally, for the most part, I read historical nonfiction so I read like a lot of Civil War, World War One books and stuff like that. I read a lot of essays. Yeah, I read yeah, a lot right. of. I read a lot I of actually, old actually, Hollywood. I actually had a bit of a tr- bit of trouble coming up putting my list together for this, just because, like I said, I want. I I, I kind of figured we want to focus on fiction, you know, like just yeah. novels and stuff like that. So it was kind of tough because, like I said, I read it, historical nonfiction. So it's like it is. I don't think people want me to, want me to hear hear me expound about the virtues of a book about World War One, Joe. Civil War is fiction. If Iron Man against Captain America, what the hell is you talking about? <laughs> I thought you were going to say down in the south. It's a fiction. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> their their loss is a complete fiction. <laughs> um. Well, you know, it's it. You know, and for me, like, yeah, I'm, I'm like you. I read a lot of essays. I read a lot of um, you know, books about Hollywood, and, right. You know, movie making and stuff like that. And I, you know, I don't expect that for one minute. Everyone here. Is almost a hundred percent locked in. These are your absolutes. the The list that we are talking about here are probably not your absolutes, but the ones that you want to talk about. Yeah, yeah. It, it, for me, in a, in a fiction novelistic kind of way, these really are kind of my absolutes because there's, yeah. and then I'll explain why. But it's 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 very specific because for a a, no, a fiction novel to actually grab and hook me in yeah. it's got to be really special yeah exactly exactly and i feel like i lost a lot of that yeah so um now before we begin i got to give a shameless plug here for a friend of the show david mclean's book uh, time travelers resort and museum available wherever fine books and smarter people than us are sold <laughs> are they really cuz we're too cheap books actually i i have read his book um and I, i'm not saying this because you know, he's a friend of mine. I went to college with him. Um, it is a very good book. He's got a very good point of view on everything. Uh, he's really done a good job of building his universe. And the beauty is, too, because I know him when, I, when I'm when i reading it, I hear him reading it to me. <laughs> it's kind of nice. He's got a nice, pleasant voice. You've all heard it on the show. Yes, we have. So, uh, yeah, you can get that now. I got it on my Kindle, or my, my tablet that I use as a Kindle, because, again. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, please... Check it out. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it pretty much wherever. Yeah. Um, so, we took this to Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Holy hell. Okay, can I get some of the one-word answers out real quick before we 
we go here. So apparently, I we are we're not the only um, book readers around, right? So starting with Twitter, um, there was a silent demand for this show. Apparently, yes. there was. There was. <laughs> you know, we asked him about the alien trap. You know, the alien movies. Eh, nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. We, you know, and the next show we're not even going to be taking social media feedback because it's not really a participatory, uh, you know, participation show. <laughs> but this, show. yeah, but this, okay. So starting with Twitter, and of course, Ape Cod. Um, is Phil K. Dick's brand of twist endings were so good that he surprised me even when I knew it was coming. Are you listening, M. Night Shyamalan? <laughs> With a twist. With a twist. <laughs> Robert George Wheel of Time reminds a high watermark for high fantasy, and thankfully the FX budget would be so high it's unfilmable. Yeah. Uh, Song of Ice and Fire was great till the Game of Thrones fans ruined it. I now desperately hope it has the most disappointing finale ever. <laughs> this could this the book series could not make my list because I have oh, to it was, more identify with the TV show now. It was so tough. The TV show is further the plot more than the books have because George R. R. Martin decided to eat himself to death. Yes. <laughs> oh, but you know what? It, on the flip side, and I'll get to this, you. Look at Harry Potter. The ho- Harry Potter is so much the flip side of Game of Thrones. We'll, we'll cover series. it. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. Mm. But you know, you're you're right. It's like, as much as I enjoyed the Song of Fire and Ice, I couldn't put it because it's just you, you kind of get Game of Thrones out a little bit. Yeah, you know. And and the beauty is too is that R.R. R. Martin loves to have people shitting themselves as they die. Yes. Well, every single human being. He was shot twice in the throat with arrows, and then he emptied his bowels. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Chef from South Park. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's right. <laughs> Steve also replies, Douglas Adams is my Jesus and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is my Bible. Yeah. I, I was going to put that on my list, but I figured someone's someone gonna else is going to mention it. Uh, Keith Martin writes, Weiss and Hickman, uh, Dragon Lace Chronicles and Legends of Robert Jordan, Wheel of Time. Dragon Lance is okay. I preferred the Test of the Twins better. I'm not, I'm not familiar with either of them. I know that they're probably books that... Have been recommended to me. Uh, the Dragonland series and and, and, and that other one um, are all uh, set in a one of the Dungeons and Dragons universes, and was specifically written to promote the game. Oh, okay. Actually, uh, I think I think my brother used to read uh, the Wheel of Time series. I know I it, that definitely sounds like something that was recommended to me at one point or another. Yeah, and Robert I... Robert Jordan's pretty standard. Fair for uh, people of a certain inclination in their reading habits. Yeah. <laughs> Nerd! <laughs> so, um, when well, you talk about mostly reading nonfiction, I very rarely read nonfiction. Although yeah. there there was one piece that I stumbled across when I decided what the hell is available in nonfiction in the audiobook. Oh, there's yeah. some. You go to Barnes Noble, you know where to find me. <laughs> yeah. Where are the history books? Where are the history books? Yeah, exactly. War. So, uh, John Saul wrote, uh, his favorite book is Ender's Game, which I, I've never I've read never it. Heard it. I've never read it. I know that they made a really bad movie starring the kid that could have been Spider-Man. And, uh, and his career has gone nowhere since. I saw Butterfield, yes. And then uh, I got one more here. the hell is it? Okay, I got one comment. Here, uh, back, back to Steve. If you want to understand what a stroke does to the human brain... Read Robert Heinlein's uh, Starship Troopers, 1959, last novel written before the stroke. Oh, the original, yes. Then, Stranger in a Strange Land, 1961, first novel written after the stroke, back-to-back. 
Wait, I can't seem to uh, to confirm that stroke that said stroke actually happened, but still, they're very different. <laughs> that that reminded me. His comment there had reminded me about um, some analysis people have done on Agatha Christie's work. Oh, her early work versus her later work, and they're pretty sure she had Alzheimer's or some kind of dementia because, among other things, her unique word count went down. Really? Yes. Okay. It wasn't. Words. It wasn't. It wasn't even. Yeah, you know, she started using fewer. Um, let you know a lot of the same words over and over again, as opposed to varying the vocabulary. Wasn't um, uh, Murder on the Orient Express that? Wasn't that her, like her last book? I don't think so. She's written a lot. Like I started, I was going through the Agatha Christie collection, and like back when I used to get my audio books physically from the library on CD, um, and dealt with the scratches. Uh, she wrote a lot of stuff that I'd never even heard of. She was in an episode of Doctor Who. Somebody portraying her? Yes. No, no, it was actually her. Come on, this is Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Timey, whiny. That was, a very, yeah. <laughs> that was very cute. Okay. All right, so, Mike, you had No, yeah, Murder on the Orient Express is 1934, and Then There Were None, which is still a very good book, was 1939. Oh. So, yeah, she wrote for her. A long, long time. Yeah. All right. 73 novels. Wow. So, we've got... M- M- Mike actually hit quite a quite a bit here. Yeah, look so. at him. I'm yeah. looking at Mike's list. He's got... Yeah, he got... Well, all right. First of all, let, let's, <laughs> let's address Nick from Canada real quick. Oh, my God. Dude, you used to be a booster of this show. What happened to you, man? Yeah, he... he... He went off because I, I told him, well, why don't you just wait and see about Ready Player One before you shit on it? He's like, no, no, that trailer, nothing's in that in, in that trailer is in the book. I was like, it's two minutes that it takes that was released eight months before the movie comes out. I don't think a lot of that is going to be in the film. Um, you That's can also a- keep in mind the fact that the book's not really that good. I haven't read it. I haven't yet, read so. it. So I've it's, heard, I don't know. it's on my library list, and I probably have to read it before I, the movie. Comes I listened. Out. I listened to it on audiobook. Nerd. Read by Will Wheaton. <laughs> oh, nerd. Well, nerd! Wow, your nerd crunch is going up, 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 up. Um, <laughs> it could it be, was. It could have been worse. It was okay. The oh, the true, reveling yeah. in the joy of eighties. Um, what are you talking about? Oh, What's my life? Is it nostalgia porn? Yes, it is. It is. super oh, nostalgia porn. Oh, God. Incredibly outrageous yes, nostalgia uh, uh, porn. Apparently, they, it it makes copious amounts of references to Spielberg's own films. So, since he's directing the So, it's self-satisfying. No, since he's directing the movie, he pulled back on the references. He, I was gonna he say, swapped out a lot of I was going to say, references. is it going to be masturbatory? My uh, God, it does turn out porn. I can put my own dick in my mouth. <laughs> Well, it's really funny because you're listening to Will Wheaton reading about the fact that Will Wheaton is president of this parallel of this. Uh, this is, oh my God! <laughs> uni- of the uh, the cyber universe. And, and, the and pain! I, I think Andy's having a stroke. I'm going to tell you, oh Armada God. is just as bad. I enjoyed listening to them both. I thought they were fun one time through. I can't imagine doing it again. <laughs> What's Armada? It's the next Ernest Klein book. Oh, it's I, it's heard. his. It's his instead of like his Second Life World of Warcraft book. It is his um, uh, the Last Starfighter book. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. What else do we have here? Uh, let's move on from everything that Nick had to say. So he <laughs> he loves Ready Player One. Not a big fan of what could maybe be a decent movie that he we hasn't never seen know. yet. We yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he also brought up uh, the Dresden Files. Yep. Uh, by Jim 
But Butcher? Butcher? Jim Butcher. I love the Dresden Files, I will say that. I'm not sure how well they'll hold up over time, but I do enjoy them quite a lot. And uh, read by James Marsters. Those are a lot of fun to listen to. He's also brought up uh, the Iron Druid series by Kevin Hearn. Oh. <laughs> yeah, my mom let me... My mom's read through that because it's similar to Dresden-ish, but it's... I listened to the first book and I'm like, this is dumb. There is no way a druid who's well over a thousand years old can be more of a dork than Dresden. <laughs> what, what, why do I expect that at wit. some point... One of you, other than myself, because I know I'll say it at some point, uh, is going to refer to one of these book series as your own personal Vietnam. <laughs> I, I, I think you came close. I think so too. <laughs> I'm good. Something's <laughs> happening here. You also brought up uh, the Joe Ledger series by Jonathan Mabry. Okay. And the Monster Hunter International by Larry Correa. Correa. All right. Correa. Not familiar with any of these. Nope. Nope, those nope. last ones now. All right. Yeah. And then... Uh, I'm done shitting on this poor man's books, although I do agree with him, Dresden's fun. And then Jonna... Jonna wrote three full paragraphs. <laughs> <laughs> we need the Cliff's Note version yeah, of Jonna's uh, post. <laughs> uh, see, the problem is, if I give you the Cliff Notes version, I'm going to hear it from her. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, favorite author, she she went with uh, Shelley Lornstein. Also writing as G.A. Aiken. Um, G.A. Aiken? Yeah. My back. Her <laughs> uh, favorite series... Favorite series... Um, I know she loves the Black Dagger Brotherhood, which is kind of like a, uh, a vampire quasi-romance novel series. Um, but she went with um, the In-Death series by J.D. Robb, which is a futuristic police, police procedural uh, that's another. That's another. JD Robb is a alias. Not Nora Roberts. Yeah. Yeah, she wrote okay. that too. Uh, sorry, John. I'm. I'm. I got. We got time here. Uh, and then for her favorite book, she adores a tree grows in Brooklyn. Huh. So, uh, I've never read it. All I remember is that it was used to stave off dogs in a Bugs Bunny cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember that one. Yeah. Uh, next, uh, Paul, who um, is one of the hosts of the uh, Nerds United's One podcast. All right. As a child, K.A. Applegate's Animorphs series was an obsession of his. Uh, Homer Hickam's book series about Josh Thurlow. The Keeper's Son, The Ambassador's Son, etc. Et uh, his fav- single favorite book of all time is Steve Alden's The Lock. Hmm. I, the only Steve Alden book I've ever read is uh, Meg. Which is being made into a movie for next year. Eventually, yeah. So, and they... Jason Statham. Oh, God. Is he going to roundhouse kick the Megalodon? <laughs> I'm fully expecting that. He's going to throat punch him. Eventually, I'll be a star. <laughs> Eventually. Uh, see, uh, Jim Wells brings up uh, the dark his Dark Materials trilogy. Um, they were okay. His, his, anything would be better than the slipshod adaptation of The Golden Compass. Yeah. Good, good point. Yeah, but very I, good point. I found, I found the books a little... The first one was good, and then they got really kind of unreadably strange. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Nicole, uh, Nicole Stacy brings up eleven twenty two sixty three and yes. it by Stephen King. Eleven twenty two sixty three, very good. Uh, it 
good for what he was writing back then, but I was to- 15 years old and managed to power through this book in two weeks. Yeah, yeah. I, I recently did it again on audiobook. It's, it, you know, it's okay. It doesn't age well. It, no, it ages horribly. It did not age well. I mean, it was great when I first read it back in the mid-80s. Yeah, but, it's it's definitely... I mean, yeah, when I was a self-absorbed teenager, it was great, but... Yeah, yeah no, I, I, but I will recommend 112263. The book to anybody, I started yes. watching it on yeah. Hulu, no, but book, I can't... No, that I book can't, is... Yeah, it's really good. It's I very just, good. I can't stand James think, Franco right now. I think so. one of his... Uh, one of his I best. don't know, I've heard really, really good things about Disaster Artist. I can't wait for that one. Oh, uh, the time the Tommy Wiseau movie. Yeah, yeah. and I I recently did on Insomnia, which was really much better than I expected. Actually, because I don't think any of us have Stephen King on our list. Not as a yo. You have Stephen King on your author's yeah. list. Okay, yeah, my favorite author. Yeah, we'll 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 go back to it. Later. I've okay. actually never read any Stephen King. All right, put a pin in it. Move on. Move All on. Right. What else Nicole has? Uh, he, she also she also brings up uh, the Kushiel's Dart series by Jacqueline Carey. Okay. Uh, and it's not written off as just a dirty book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a shame. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll take Chris. Yeah, go ahead. Chris, Douglas Adams, Hitchhiker's Guide uh, series of books. Don't forget your towel. <laughs> to which John replied, you hoopy fruit you. Yeah. <laughs> Color me surprised. Yeah, um, also, Chris mentioned that his wife loves anything by Jody Pico. And his daughter wants to contribute with uh, Kevin Henke's book, books like Chris, Chris Anthony and, and Lily's, Lily's Big, Big Day. Day. All right, I'm not familiar with either of those. No. Oh, and then there's Lan- our, our former co-worker, Lanning. Lanning. Not surprised by this, early Tom Clancy, The Hunt for Red October, Cardinal in the Kremlin, and Red Storm Rising. Yeah. He's a military guy, and I think that most of Tom Clancy's work essentially is nothing but a technical manual that was written for for the Russians that he was uh, <laughs> covertly trying to do. Well, Hunt for Red October was a really good book. It's the only Tom Clancy book I actually read. Because it's the shortest one. Yeah. 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 No. Then he, after that, I he decided to go big. I think I... Patriots game? Was that Tom Clancy? Yes. Yeah, I did, I did Patriots game. And you know what? I, I read that one, too. Yeah. Right before the movie came out with Sean Bean and Harrison Ford. Yeah. <laughs> did Sean Bean die in that one? Uh, yes. It's like yes, the end. Totally. The very end. He lives through... He, like, he lived through most of it, so... Yeah. He, it's not like Equilibrium where he dies in the 15, first 15 minutes. Yeah. That's a great movie. Mm. <laughs> Ultraviolet, on the other hand, worst follow-up ever. So anyway, let's... Um, so what we did was, the, the task was favorite book, favorite book series, favorite author, and then we threw another one in here of underrated book recommendations. Yep. So uh, let's go around the table real quick. I'll start with favorite book. And I'm going to throw everybody for a loop. Everyone pretty much picked fiction. I'm actually going to do non-fiction essay. You commie. On this one. And this is, maybe it's really not my favorite book, but it's one I've read multiple times. And I always get something new out of it every time I've read it. Um, Joe Queenan's Red Lobster, White Trash, and the Blue Lagoon. All right. Which All right. is a, a, obviously a collection of essays. Essays uh, about what? It's an essay about uh, you know a guy who's who's entered middle age and um, decides to find the lower class things throughout America. So you know instead of going to Las Vegas, you go to Atlantic City to go gamble, and you watch you, you, you watch shows like on, on Spike TV instead no, of you watch stuff like you watch <laughs> touring companies of really really bad. Um, you know, wild horn musicals and really bad British, you know, the the British invasion musicals. And uh, this is where I, I learned and You the go term. to Branson, Missouri. Huh? Oh, you yes. He does mention Branson, Missouri in there. 
he also mentions um, that, uh, according to music, everything named Kenny is the worst thing ever. <laughs> Kenny Rogers, Kenny Loggins, Kenny... Uh... Hey, I take exception <laughs> to that. Hey, I did I did read something today that said that Kenny G tipped $100 whenever anybody came by to fix anything. No, that's good. Yeah, he was the other one, Kenny G, who also uh, was not what Louis Armstrong envisioned when he institutionalized <laughs> jazz. Um... <laughs> He also mentioned, I use this one to this day, that doo-wop is the worst music ever written in the history of everything. It's it's a really good book. He has other books very, very similar to this. He re- There's this great bit about literature and talking about, like, Ken Follett books and how filthy he tries to make them. It's like, you know, I have the needle, so I can watch, you know, Nazis having this hot, amazing sex, and I'm like, these people are the same age as my parents. I can't imagine my, my parents oh, getting God. pleasure like this. <laughs> no, no, make it stop. Oh, God, he, he goes on uh, the Joan and Jackie Collins books. <laughs> and it's just, it is an unbelievably, my those books. oh, my God. It's just two guys arguing, uh, playing one-on-one basketball, and somebody calls somebody a prig. It's like, you don't call anybody. You, you've obviously never watched two grown men play basketball. <laughs> Ever and the, and the comeback was you couldn't harm the pustule on a pimple. What? Yeah. The same type of authors that like to uh, flex their remedial French with words like she, you know, she showed her je ne sais quoi. <laughs> well, it is it is an entirely entertaining book by a crabby old man that I have become and I'm becoming. Yeah, and, and becoming. Well, you're a dumb head. Yeah, doo doo head. One of the characters' names is Bo. B-E-U-X. Wow. <laughs> so it, it is a really good essay. I do recommend... I mean, it's very... It's got to be dated by now. The book's 20 years old. Yeah, probably. But, yeah. All right, who wants to go next? Princess Bride. Ha-ha, you fool! You fell victim to one of the classic blunders. The most famous is never get involved in a land war in Asia, but only slightly less well-known is this. Never go in against a Sicilian when death is on the line. <laughs> Good book. Now, are you, this is the uh, Morgan Stern version, right? <laughs> no, I actually went to the library and tried to get them to dig up the SS Morgenstern version. Yeah, and they did look. They dug around and came up with it didn't exist. Right, yeah. it, it's like Angels with Filthy uh, Filthy Souls from Home Alone. It's. I mean, it's like now that now that I read it as an adult, I'm like I should have known that this was all a joke, the the whole based on the original SS Morgenstern. But as like you know, like the kid when I read it, I I totally fell for it. Yeah. Yeah. I love how he actually he made an entire backstory for the entire for novel. The, for the entire yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like nah, that's actually all bullshit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. William Goldman really truly is a national treasure, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Oh, his commentary on the movie is hilarious. Oh, I'm sure. But anyway, so back to the book. I actually have I use words styles and word. Yeah. And I have like you know I keep it. Because I'm, I'm very organized, I keep a daily log about what I do every day, which turns out to be useful when somebody goes, hey, when did we decide this? And I search through my list, and I'm like, oh, we decided that on April 27th. It was a Tuesday, you know, kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but I, I have, like, I put, like, little asides to myself, and I put them in parentheses and italics, 
And the style is named Goldman. <laughs> For all of his asides in Princess Bride. We read this book senior year of high school in Mr. Murphy's English class. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. And the Murphy. second he's passing the books out and I see it, I'm like, no shit! Yeah. <laughs> this was really a book? <laughs> Yeah, we, we read it shortly after the movie came out. Like, the original copy we yeah, had I, was, we the, read was it in the Yeah, I read it in the English I, cast, too. No, I read it. My mom bought it. I, no, I read it, it in the English cast, because I had the same reaction as Andy. I was like, I thought that was just a movie. I thought that yeah. whole thing was fake. I, I gotta ask you guys, though. Is it a kissing book? Is it a kissy book? They is actually do a really good job of cutting <laughs> through all that. Fencing, <laughs> fighting, revenge, true love. <laughs> the one thing that I think that they upped for the movie, which was better than in the book was that in the book it was just sharks instead of screaming eels. Shrieking <laughs> eels. Shrieking eels way cooler than just plain old sharks. Yeah. But that whole that whole part is way more intense. Everything is much more complicated. And oh I loved in the in the book, you know, when he's freaking out and he's like, What happens? You know, and there's the part where Fred Savage is freaking out and goes, What happens? And he just he closes closes the book, the grandfather closes the book, refuses to read for a bit, and then finally the kid talks him around. In in gold in the original novel um, Goldman's character, Dad, like, gets fed up, and he's, you know, Dad, you read that wrong, and Dad, you know, he was an immigrant, so he's from Florin, so his English was very poor, and so he gets really upset and offended and stomps out and refuses to come back for, like, a day or a week or something. Oh, wow. Like, the, the, yeah, the, the whole story is Goldman was sick, and his father read this book to him in bed, and it was over the course of, like, a week or more instead of one day. And um, it was, yeah, so uh, I had I told a co-worker of mine today that we were doing this show, and he was like, really, Princess Bride? He's like, I love the movie. I don't want it to be ruined by the book. And I'm like, they're two separate this, things. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you got to keep them separate. You, you can appreciate them both separately. You can, you can be like, you know, you watch the movie after reading the book, and you're like, wow, it took them a lot longer to get the Holocaust cloak. It wasn't just something he was carrying around yeah. in his pocket. <laughs> but it's, it's. But you can appreciate, you know, the good. The movie is still good, right? And the book is still good. Neither one is better than the other. No, this is a, one of the rare, rare times where both of them are actually equally good. Yes, you what? know, the, the movie is great as a movie, and the book is great as a book. Of course, William Goldman wrote the screenplay. He was yeah, an screen, right. Experienced screenwriter. Um. So, I don't know. You know, we can go into all the details, but. I think everybody has their own personal story about how awesome Princess Bride is. Yeah. Love the movie anyways. Well, yeah. Well, let's go next. All right, I'll go next. For my favorite book, I picked The Martian Chronicles by Ray Bradbury. Wow. What do you mean, wow? I'm saying 1950 sci-fi. Well, this was like the first real hardcore sci-fi book that I've ever read. And that was oh, probably about 13, 14 and it was, this was like the first book that I didn't have to read for like class or, yeah. that, you know, I wasn't forced to read it. I just kind of read it for my own enjoyment. And I was into sci-fi at the time, you know, and stuff like that. You know, I loved Star Wars and, you know, Transformers and all that. But this was like the real kind of first serious sci- science fiction book Ooh. and author that I read that had a lot of deep thematic, you know, very, a lot of deep themes to it wasn't just, hey, you know, we're going to go and, sh- you know, this is a shoot em up or anything yeah. like that. Right. It, it, was, had, it, it was, you know, very, um, there's a lot of, you know, allegory to it. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and, and it was, it was, 
the book, first book that showed me that science fiction can be used as a storytelling device to kind of show real world issues without beating you over the head with right. those issues, you know? Right. It's a very, very good entrance into like, um, you know, the you know debating stuff, and, and yeah, like it's, I, said, it's, I really it's, enjoyed it. Yeah, it's escapism and an a- and analysis at the same time. Exactly, hmm. right, exactly. Cool. So, never read it. I, I've read excerpts of it. I've read, yeah. It, it is. It's a series of short stories, really, that are that are right. all about stuff. Right. Well, it's a, yeah. It's a, each 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 short stories, except for a couple of them, are independent of each other. Yeah. yeah. But they all share the same kind of in-universe themes. Yeah. And, you know, thematically, it all it's all very cohesive and all ties in together. Yeah, abs- yeah, absolutely. It's not like it. Well, they all they're they're all like completely separate. They all tie in together. Which is why they can be put together in one one right. book. All right, Mike, you might know this. What is the um, which which Bradbury Twilight Zone episode was it? Which which one Ooh. are you trying to I've, think of? I feel I'm fairly certain Ray Bradbury wrote a Twilight Zone episode. I'm certain. Uh, I just can't remember off the top of my head. Talk a little bit. I'm looking. Yeah, all right, oh, Mike, Mike's looking it up. Wikipedia, Hoy. My, my, my first introduction to Ray Bradbury. I think I got a. I think I saw the Ray Bradbury Theater on TV. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Mm. And, then I, and then I got like a collection of um, short stories that they had at the Acton Library out, and there were some interesting things in there. Was was Bradbury at Fahrenheit 451, or is that Vonnegut? No, that was, uh, that was, that was Bradbury. That was Bradbury, okay, yeah. Another so, excellent That is a very good book. That is a very good book. I enjoyed, I really enjoyed that. I remember seeing the movie, and the movie is so overt late 60s that it's not even funny. <laughs> it was episode 100, I, saw, I Sing the Body Electric. Oh, yes. okay. That's that's the one with the nanny, right? Yes. That was that was one of the sweet ones. Yeah, yeah, and I remember they remade that one as like a short movie on HBO in the early 80s. Yeah, apparently, apparently he contributed a lot of scripts to uh, The Twilight Zone. Oh, movie. I'm sure. Yeah. But it was the only one that actually got... Credit... Got produced. Yeah. Huh. Uh, uh, who, who did Starship Troopers? That's uh, Heinlein. Heinlein. Oh, Heinlein. That's we, we, we discussed that. Apparently he had a stroke right afterwards. And then... <laughs> Apparently, yeah. Have you ever read Starship Troopers? I tried. I, started I tried. It. Well, that, I... the problem is if you watch the movie first, fuck the book. Because... They are two completely different things. Oh, I knew they were. I knew they were unrelated. So I was trying to read the book for its own sake, and like I tried. And I, I just I couldn't. I, I, I couldn't. was like, the guys jumping around on like super jumpers, dropping nuclear bombs, and I'm like, this is less realistic than the movie. Right. Yeah. My brain is making fun of me for coming conjuring up these images right now. <laughs> I, I I never never read the book. I've seen the movie, sadly. No, the only the only finally <laughs> the the book where Aryan uh, Aryan ideals Casper yes. Van Dyne is playing Juan Rico Juan Rico <laughs> from Argentina from Argent yes <laughs> <laughs> were you with us when we were I, you know, see, um, yeah that was the first yeah, the time all of us kind of got yeah all the rip tracks yep that was awesome <laughs> that was awesome. I expect the best, so I give the best. So here's RC. Here's a case of RC Cola. How's <laughs> that leg vagina coming? Gorilla Graham. <laughs> so, Mike, you're yeah, up, buddy. My favorite book. Um, well, talking about historical fiction here. Uh, Shogun by James Clavell. I have tried I've to read this read, book. I've, actually, I've uh, read this book. I have tried very, very hard. And this is something we're going to get into in a little bit about, like, um, you know, books that are kind of like our white whale. 
I tried reading this several times, and not for lack of trying. This, <laughs> I mean, I, I watched the entire miniseries and then decided to read the book. The, the book is a it is a it is a very long long. Book. It is a dense read. Yes, yes. it's a very dense it, it go it goes very much in depth into the uh, that eh, sort sort of semi Be, uh, the is the historically based and cultural um, significance of uh, feudal Japan. Which right. which for me. You know, even back then, I was kind of a Japanophile. Yeah. You know, I love Jap- you know anything Japanese. So it was, I actually, it was a dense book, but because I enjoy reading about aspects of Japan, I was very into yeah, it. Yeah, same thing with me. You know? Yeah. So I love, you know, I love the whole idea of the samurais, the shoguns, and stuff mm. like that. I actually, oddly enough, I I didn't, I never, I didn't see the series The, the miniseries? miniseries? First. Come on! I, I've seen it since, but I haven't. I didn't see it first. I saw the miniseries first. I actually, I actually, actually had we had a game on our Apple Two C <laughs> based on this. Oh, it was yeah? a, it was like a, a text text adventure, but it had occasional like images that you know. And I played that, and I really enjoyed it. So I started reading the book, and it's a good way of learning how to spell seppuku. But yeah. but, you, but you know the funny thing. You, 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 you talk about how dense it is and how deep into Japanese history it is, but it's funny because. You remember Samurai Champloo? Mm-hmm. I would watch that anime, and I was like, "Hey, I read about that in Shogun." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the whole thing is like based on actual people actual and events. events. Uh, yeah. yeah, but it's just like, wow, well, John Blackthorne was William Adams. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess for me, it's because Clavell is one of those authors that writes for the Eight Night Special Event miniseries on ABC. <laughs> <laughs> Starring, yeah, starring Richard Chamberlain. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I've actually never read any of his other books, mainly because I'm. It's primarily feudal Japan that I'm interested in. Right, right. I'm not interested in uh, Hong Kong or Macau or whatever. Clavel is one of those authors that just reminds me of like the airport authors. The airport authors. You know, Please every explain. time you go to an airport. And it's like, I'll check out the bookshop. I need something to read. You know, obviously before the advent of portable internet. Right. Uh, and it's speak, like, speak oh, let's... Tom Clancy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> James okay. Patterson? Yeah. John Grisham? John oh, Grisham, yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, Hi, I'm going to crap out the same story about an ideal, <laughs> idealistic lawyer, young lawyer fighting the mob again and again and again and oh, again. I read, I read some James Patterson. Oh, God. Like, like, um... Uh, the, uh, the the along came a spider. Yep. Oh my god. My, that was disgusting. My stepfather. It makes the orgy scene from it look tame. Oh. It does actually. You're right. My stepfather still reads to this day James Patterson novels, even though I'm fairly certain he's dead. Yep. No, he keeps shitting them out. No, it's yeah. He but no, but it's he's like doing the commercials Rider. now. It's uh, it's the Ghost Rider. Oh yeah. Who who wrote that book? Clan of the Cave Bear. Oh um, my god. Alright, I don't remember who wrote it, but I remember... Because that's another read, one of those... Autumn, Autumn is I telling like, me... I like Clan of the Cave Bear. Valley of Horses, I skipped a lot of... Didn't, didn't there was like also Raise the Titanic, I think? Um, well, there was a book, Raise the Titanic, but back to Clan of the Cave Bear. Autumn had mentioned she had read most of the books in that series. Yeah. And she's like, there's this one scene where they're having sex in, like, a, in the sulfur falls, and I can't imagine... How awful that oh, must have smelled. that smell must I just, be. I, did not oh. I think I stopped after Mammoth Hunters. Oh, God. I think, I think, I think our, all of our, all of our uh, teachers in high school 
were passing around uh, plain, plain, not not Valley of Horses, that was the second book, but like Plains of something else. Oh, okay. And they were like all like taking turns borrowing that from the library. Um, that, that, <laughs> that author, I cannot remember her name right now, but she's Oh, in, it's like Jean Owl. Jean M. Owl. Thank yeah. you. Uh, she's in Mensa, by the way. Oh, okay. So, you know, a lot of the stuff about flint napping and everything from the first book is very well, re- right. well, well um, researched and everything. And then she realized that if she turned them into smut books, she could make way more money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, Race of Titanic was Clive Cussler. Clive oh, Cussler. Got another one. airport name. Another yeah. airport one, yep. <laughs> um, you know what's funny, though? Because I remember, and this is kind of like, you know, as you were mentioning with uh, Jane M. Owl about, about that, you know, it's a really well-regarded book that is actually really poorly written, and the author is a terrible author. The Godfather by Mario Puzo. Oh, that is Have you ever. You talk, about, you talk about White Will. That is my White Will. I cannot get. Through I've that. gotten through the book. I've been, I cannot get I, through. I, it. I actually didn't mind the book. Oh, Puzo. This is one. This, Puzo, is, this is the best thing Puzo ever did because everything else he wrote was fucking uh, garbage. But excuse me, this is one. He wrote, the, rare, the, he wrote the screenplay to Superman. Shut up. But this is a rare occasion <laughs> where. The movie was so much better. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You I, and I, even I, though, even even though, as Peter Griffin says, it insists upon itself. Oh, shut it! <laughs> shut it! You and I will come to fisticuffs later on about which one's better, one or two, <laughs> two, two. But uh, yo, one. good. There we go. One. Shut it! You're insane. No. Uh, anyway, well, the film nerd in me is like two. Um, where were we? Oh yeah, the airport. <laughs> the um, airport authors. <laughs> Clive, no, it, it, James Clavell. James, James Clavell. What else did James Clavell write? Oh, uh, King Rat. Um, uh, uh, the books that would grace my grandfather's Gai, Gai Jin, reading. I think. What? I think he wrote like one called Gaijin. Gaijin. Okay. The only the only book of his I read was Shogun, yeah so. yeah, yeah. That's the only one. <laughs> that's the only one that okay, really matters. I'm you know, I'm, I didn't care about you know ancient like you know 18th century. Hong Kong or Macau at the turn of the century. No, yeah. I, I feudal Japan. That's where I. I like. just you know, and this is this is just sticks out to me too. I remember like, and this is not to say anything about the literary ability of one side of my family versus the other. Yeah. But I don't really remember but. a whole lot. No, like in my grand in my in my mother's mother's house, not really seeing a lot of books. You know, my my grandfather never really read a lot. I'm pretty sure my grandmother read a lot of books too, but not not to the extent that like. Going to my dad's mother's mother and father's house. My grandfather always used to have these paperbacks. Every time my aunt and uh, uncle would come visit, there were just always paperbacks, all from these names. My, these names we all mentioned. Uh, it was, it was unfortunately, at my house, it was both sides of the family the not known big readers. Yeah, it was opposite. And my and like so, and the most of the novels my mom had were Jackie Collins. And, oh Jesus! You know, it's like yeah, it was opposite side from my my uh, my father's mother. Not a big reader at all. My my grandfather on my mother's side, huge reader. He he would read Clive Cussler and all that. Yeah. My, uh, my both both sides of my family are pretty big readers. My dad, I can't good. remember exactly the kinds of things he read off the top of my head, but he was very into Star Wars. Oh, that's um, good. Whereas my mom uh, might still have her 100 plus novel collection by Andre Norton. Um, a uh, sci-fi writer. Okay. Prolific sci-fi writer. Um, uh, Anne McCaffrey, all that kind of stuff. So, all right, shall we move on? Move sure. to series. Yep. All right. Who wants to go? I guess I'll go first since this round table. All yeah. right. So, ser- series. 
Really no surprise here. No, I'm not shocked. No, I can't say I'm shocked. You've and again, there's a reason behind why I'm picking this. It's the Dune series. Oh, there's a big surprise. That's an incredible... I think I'm going to have a heart attack and die from that surprise. Uh, started by Frank Herbert and then written, taken over by his son Brian Herbert after he died. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, primarily Almost because... like the Tolkien's. This is the type of series that... Maybe it's because of the quantity of books I've read in this series. I've read all but maybe three of the books written. How many books are there? There are a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I've Uh, actually only read Dune. All right. I've read the the first six books. In fact, I read the first six books in the Dune series um, by the end of my first, uh, the, the, the second semester of freshman year in high school. Wow. Yeah. Uh, these are thick, dense yeah, they are. Yeah. books with big words and big sci-fi a- aspects, and I got through all six of them. It was around Thanksgiving when I finished um, chapter, was it chapter House Dune, I think is the last book. I think so, yeah. And Frank, yeah, Chapter House Dune. Frank Herbert is not known for brevity either. No! There, oh, is, God, no, no. there is no skimping on words. Nope. That's why I only made it through Dune. Yeah. And then after that, it took a little break because he was dead. And then, um, oh dang! <laughs> Brian Herbert came out with a three-book tri- uh, trilogy prequel trilogy. I've heard it wasn't really all that good. They're actually they fill in a lot of blanks. Um, that's House of Trades, House Harkonnen, and House Carino, <clears throat> uh, which do a good job filling in the blanks leading up to the birth of, of Paul Atreides. Yeah, did, isn't isn't um. Isn't, like, Kevin Anderson writing them now? I think Kevin... Actually, no, it's Brian Herbert and Kevin Anderson who are both writing okay. them. Um, and then they wrote another, like, a pre-pre-trilogy, which wasn't very good at all. The pre-sequel. The pre-sequel, yeah. And it was tough to read. Like, I was stuck in jury duty for four hours trying to get through the first one. And I'm like, I'm done. I can't, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and then... Wow, wow the, when Andy quits on a Dune book, you yeah. know it's dense. And then the last <clears throat> series that I, 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 I had read were the fill-in books between the Dune books. So there was... So there's Dune, and then the fill-in book is Paul uh, uh, Paul of Arrakis. And then uh, the second book... And then another book to fill in the blanks there, and they just kind of st- I was I was digging those, and they kind of stopped. Mm. But it was it's it just these interesting little you know fill in the blank things. But yeah, it, I mean the universe that the the, the the Herberts have built is just so expansive that you know I, I can't blame anybody for not trying to again commit this to film. No. Well, I, well, apparently uh, Denny Villeneuve is. He's all gung ho into that being his next movie. Yeah, well, well, we'll see. Waited thirty three <laughs> years well, after after after, after, Blade Runner after the box office success of Blade Runner Blade Runner twenty four. Oh wait, no, 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 not success. What's the word? Uh, failure. failure. Yeah. I believe the term you're looking for, sir, is abject failure. I thought the sci fi miniseries was not bad. It no. was okay. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it as a bit more of a closer retelling of the books. The thing is, and I, actually it's funny, this actually popped up in my time hop today because today was the day I officially uh, retired my jersey. <laughs> okay. Took the wheels off the baby train. And um, so I had actually gotten these from Netflix. And I watched them. The, the, the sci-fi movie ones. I like what they were trying to accomplish, but visually... I'm sorry <laughs> to say, the David Lynch movie, visually... Is how I picture Dune. 
Well, I mean, they 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 skimped, they saved money on sets by painting, painting them, the painting backdrops, them. literally painting. I mean, they were gorgeous. They were paintings. They were gorgeous paintings, but it was obvious they were paintings. Yeah, it kind of looked like. Do you guys ever watch like I Claudius or any like those masterpiece playhouse yes. things? Mm. It really yeah. felt like that with just a couple of extra really chintzy special effects. But hey. One thing you didn't get in the uh, David Lynch movie that you did get in the uh, miniseries, a great old orgy scene. Yep. Congratulations. <laughs> Catherine, what do you got? All right. For my series, I have something that was actually pretty formative for me. And for and me, I, too. I was um, going to choose this one, but he just uh, it. Yeah, because I was reading it as it was coming out. Yeah. Um, was uh, the Hall books by Tamara Pierce. Yep. Um. It's a, a series uh, they featured... Currently, they feature female protagonists. I think uh, her next book... Not the one that just came out, but her next book is actually going to be um, more... Because it's about... Uh, it's coming out early next year. Um, it's going to be about uh, Arm Draper and his coming up. Hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So... I mean, like, uh, 90% of her books are female protagonists. Yeah. They, there's a, there are strong females. And the thing is that they're not... You know, the, the standard asshole strong females. You know, it's like, well, let's just give her a bad attitude and a sword, and then we have a strong female character. No, they're they're all very believable. Right. Um, the humor is very character-based, so you can you can have laughs and, and enjoy yourself. It's not all serious all the time without having to try to force in referential humor in a fantasy series. It, it, and it's not like a heavy fantasy series like uh, Tolkien or... A, this is kind of fantasy. I like it's light fantasy. It's... it's, yes. it's it takes place. You know, there's magic in there, but it's not like the focal point. Yeah, it's it's a young adult series, um, so they have thing. You know, the Tortal series has things like Mondays and Tuesdays and lunch. Yeah. Um, she gets away from that in her magic circle of magic series, which is set in a different universe. Um, but the, uh, you know, you have uh, the first the the first four books are about Alana, who yeah. is a you know a girl in a in a world where women aren't allowed to become knights, but she really wants to become. You know, she, she wants to become a fighter. She's she's got a fighter spirit in her, and so she has an identical twin brother who is going to be sent to become a knight, and he wants to become a mage, and so she says, "Let's switch," because hmm. the girls all get sent off to a, a convent, convent hmm. and they happen to be the same place where boys go if they want to go study majory. So it was like, "You're going to go there." I'm going to pretend to be a boy for the next eight years. <laughs> and about all the, like, how complicated that is. And I was reading an article, uh, an interview with Tamara Pierce today, and she talked about, you know, some of the things they touch on is, like, what happens when you're a girl pretending to be a boy, nobody knows the truth except your bodyguard, who is loyal to the family since forever, and you have your first period. <laughs> how do you cope with oh, that? that? that That's a great scene. That's a great, that's a whole great <laughs> sequence. And um, and then the second series, Wild Magic. Wild the Wild Magic series is also very good. Um, about a about a girl who ends up being a scion of a god. Spoiler alert. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and then Protector of the Small. Yeah, Protector of the Small, which is one of my favorites. And it's the mm. the audiobooks are read by Bernadette Dunn, who I happen to love listening to. And uh, so it's 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 very good. I recommend it to anybody who wants to read this kind of fiction, but also like anybody raising daughters. And they're ready to know that sex exists. Do you understand that by sex starts happening in like book two or th- book all two? right? So save it for later. But it's not. It's it's basically yeah, yeah, it's book two. Yeah, yeah, it's book two. That's like you know they go off and stuff happens, 
but it's it's one of those you know like this American the sex scenes are this American life. This story acknowledges the existence of sex. <laughs> There's absolutely no description. This isn't you know any kind of raunchy business or any kind, not even a little bit. It's just. And it's very PG sex. It's it's 80 sex. Oh, okay. Smooch, smooch. Cut, smooch, smooch, yeah. yeah. They, they cut, cut scene, come back later. Yeah. I actually, I, I first read this, the, uh, the song of the Quartet of the Linus. The Song of the Linus, yeah. Yeah, in ninth grade. And that was actually right before Wild Magic came out. Um, it's funny, uh, uh, one of my friends in, in, at the time... Got me, you know, got me into reading it, and he was actually trying to write a sequel, on his like just like a fan fiction sequel. And he, when I told him that, oh, she's actually writing an official sequel series, he got so pissed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I had, yeah, my my current like favorite of all of them is the Becca Cooper books. I yeah, I see. I I made it through. I, I did um, Linus, Song of Linus, the Wild Magic. And protector is small, but I, I've never gone beyond that. Tricksters, you can kind of skip. <laughs> it's mm. it's good for like one time through, but I really don't I don't love it. Mm. Um, but the Becca Cooper books are really good. They're set like back in the past, like they talk about in the Alana books back in the day when when women were allowed to be knights. Hmm. This is yeah. written back in the day. Oh, and it sounds like it's one of uh, George's. Um, relatives. It is, ancestors. in fact, George's ancestor. Nice. All right. Joe, you're up. All right. My favorite series is actually pretty easy. It's uh, the Harry Potter series. <laughs> the hell you say? By J.K. Rowling. J.K. did not write a masterpiece. J.K. wrote Star Wars with sucky lightsabers. <laughs> and if you don't believe me, if you don't believe me, that's okay. That's okay. Just take a look, just take a look at the evidence, all right? What do we have here? Oh, it's a young male orphan protagonist who, for his own safety, had been sent to live with his aunt and uncle until a mysterious bearded stranger, who was actually the one to deliver him to his aunt and uncle when he was a baby, comes into his life and starts to teach him about this ancient kind of magic. Granny's going to learn a lot more about this magic from an older, wiser wizard who's high most of the time. Regardless, his uncle's totally against this magic stuff, won't even tell him what really happened to his parents. But against his uncle's wishes, he leaves home for the very first time, makes new friends, meets a pretty young, impetuous girl, and while there will be an odd sexual tension between the two of them, he will only ever love her like a sister while she struggles with the feelings that she has for his best friend, the scruffy comic relief. <laughs> and then, and then he learns of the existence of this supervillain who killed his parents back in the day with his sorcerer's ways before he got super evil and started calling himself Lord something or the other. But quite fortunately, it turns out that our hero is naturally good at flying and locating incredibly small targets. Two centimeters? That's not impossible. I used to bullseye snitches on my fireball back home. They're not much bigger than two centimeters. <laughs> I was on that bandwagon. We, I am still we on that bandwagon. We all read them. Now, the thing is, Joe, is, your, is um, Soph reading them yet? Yes. Yeah, so is Scarlet. How, yeah. how far is... Uh, she about, she's about three quarters of the way through um, the Sorcerer's Stone. Okay, yeah. Scarlet oh, just... Sorry, the Philosopher's Stone. Yeah. I, I actually, John, I actually went over to England and got me a copy of the original oh, really? Philosopher's <laughs> Stone. Now this, you know, it's it's funny. I came into the series kind of late into it because so it was like it came out in '97. You know, '98 uh, for well '98 for the U.S. and '97 right. '98 yeah. in the U.S. My wife at the time, she's you know a church going evangelical Southern Baptist, so <laughs> I wasn't gonna read it at the time. But it was I didn't come into it until 
after seeing the movies. Okay. And that was actually one of those kind of like look down upon like why are people getting going nuts over a a kids book? Why are, you're thirty years old? What are you doing reading a kids book? Part of I mean part of the thing with the Harry Potter series. First of all, I was told explicitly because I was the same way seeing the movies first. I saw the movies first it, up until Half Blood Prince. Half Blood Prince was the first book I had read before I had seen the movie. It wasn't. I did not read the first book until I saw Goblet of Fire. Okay. And the reason was, you know, the, the first few movies, you know, uh, The Sorcerer's Stone. Chris Columbus. Yeah. The yeah, first it, it, Chris Columbus, and then the... Uh, yeah, who's the first two? And then... Then uh, Alfonso Aru did the third one, but the third, third one. one was more grown up. But... That is where I picked up the books. I was told explicitly you could skip the first two books. A grown up no, right. can skip those first two books. No, no. I first, I read the first... I, I mean, I saw the first three movies, and I found them enjoyable. And yeah. But it was, I was like... It wasn't something that sucked me. I was like, oh, they're nice. They're cute little movies and stuff like that. But Goblet of Fire, I saw Goblet of Fire first. And it was kind of the first, it was essentially the first few scenes where you saw a world, the Wizarding World outside of Hogwarts. Yes. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the, you know, the, 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 the Quidditch World Cup. And yeah. That drew me in because then you want. Then I wanted to learn more about the actual world that is, that the series takes place yeah. in. That's when I first. That's when I started reading the books. Once I started reading the books, then I got hooked. And the reason why is, and it, and it, for some reason, novels very rarely do this for me, but I got so emotionally invested in the characters. Yeah, the characters were just so easy to relate to and just basically fall in love with. Yeah, because you know? they're all real people. Right. Yeah. And, and and throughout the series, you see them develop and grow and kind of just basically grow up. Yeah. You know, yep. that by the time of, you know, my, my arguably my favorite book in the series is um, Half-Blood Prince. That, yeah, Half-Blood Prince. Because this is kind of almost... Three quarters of the way into it, this is Harry at his happiest, the happiest point in, the, in his life. You know, he he gets the girl. He's the he's the he's the Quidditch. You know, he's the well, and and you see Ron growing yeah. up too. Ron's like the the the, the Quidditch, Quidditch hero. Champ, yeah, you know? everything's coming together for Harry, and then the last page, you know, the last chapter. You're yeah, like, what the fuck? Not so happy anymore. Not so happy anymore. I got into it because my friends were all reading it, and I was I was handed the first three books because that was what was out, and, and they were waiting for book four. Mm-hmm. So handed the books, and I'm like, go ahead and read. Come on, read them. And I was like, okay, okay, I got to read the whole thing now. Yeah. And I read I I read uh, book four when it came out, and um, my copy actually has them coming at the at the at the end of it has them coming out backwards. Okay. Um, because uh, the, the order was wrong because she did it in the emotional order and somebody was like oh, this means something because we heard that this they died this order but then they came back in this order and everything right. comes back in reverse and she was just like I wish my editors were paying that much attention <laughs> <laughs> and so after you know the audiobook and everything after that um, straightened it out and let's talk about Jim Dale oh my god, oh god. that yeah. man is talented you can you just hear a couple of words and you know exactly yeah. who's talking out yeah. of the hundred odd characters yeah because I've, re- I've read it and I've listened to the audiobooks too Autumn has only listened to the audiobook of uh, The Deathly Hallows and mm. she listened to it while she was nursing Scarlet Ugh. and it's just this amazing 
Siri, it just, he's what so is, good. Jim, but Jim, Jim, Jim Dale does the audiobooks. Jim Dale does the audiobooks. I thought Stephen Fry did the audiobooks. Uh, the, he um, does the English version. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he does the English version, Jim Dale does the American version. And oh, the, yeah, there's a thing also I remember hearing about with Stephen Fry, can't pronounce something. Oh, that's what it right. was, yeah. yeah. There's a word that he can't pronounce. So the. Jake, huh? The. No, it was <laughs> J.K. Rowling put it into every one word. of yeah. the books. Just for him, just to trip him up. I'm going to find out what the word is. Continue yeah. talking about Jim Dale, though. But yeah, he's he's quite he's quite impressive and amazing. I went to the I went I got my my wristband and I went to the midnight release of uh, Harry Potter mm-hmm. um, book seven when they had it at the uh, when they had a Borders bookstore in in Marlboro, and you know normally you know at Christmas time you can find parking somewhere right. in that parking lot. I had to park behind Best Buy wow. and walk the entire parking oh, lot. Yeah. It was a mob scene. And that was actually when I got into Lemony Snicket was I picked up a copy while I was wandering through the library, winding through the place to get my copy, went home and read it in one weekend. And the thing, the thing about the book, after reading the books, I came to appreciate the Christopher Columbus movies a lot more. Ooh, as a film guy, I yeah. can't. But you can see what he was trying to I, do. I, yeah. No, because it made me appreciate the fidelity he was going for in the books. All right. Pocketed it. Yes. Stephen Fry cannot pronounce pocketed it. So she put it in every, every single, single book. book afterwards. Yeah. I actually... I she's like... If you ever follow her on on Twitter, she oh, is she like... Is she awesome. is on fire. With, she she just knows how to troll people. I, I imagine that, like... Like, if Piers Morgan ever sees her in a room, he, like, gets Freddy Peas and, like, runs out the other side. <laughs> <laughs> I actually... I, I got into the books pretty much about the same time as, uh, as Catherine, actually. The third book had just come out, and I was... I, I, actually, I was in a uh, young adult literature class in college. Okay. And they had us read the, um, the Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah. So, you know, I, I heard, you know, people loved it. I was like, okay, I'll check it out. And... After that, I was they, they. We had to. We had a choice of we could choose any book to do a presentation on. Yeah. And I, I did it on on Chamber of Secrets. Nice. I, loved, the, I, loved, I just cu- couldn't stop reading it. And, and credit to J.K. Rowling too is like, the books matured as the readers did, and, as the readers and especially did, as the, the characters did. as well, right. especially just the way it reads. Because I mean, if you pick up the the the, you know, the, source the first gone, two books are kids, kids books and they then everything read like progresses read yeah like kids mm-hmm. the other thing the other thing is that she had to push back and and Tamara Pierce actually talks about how grateful she is to JK Rowling for proving that young readers can read sophisticated yes. yeah. longer books yeah cuz you know the the song of the linus was supposed to be one novel um, and it got broken up into a quartet and so did the next several books that she wrote because People were convinced that kids can't read something that big, and they won't. Right? Oh, yeah, but because yeah, so, I, I remember when, yeah, when uh, Half Blood Prince came out and Deathly Hallows came out, everybody was like, "Oh my God, are kids are going to be able to oh, read oh, this?" There's oh, like 400, yeah. 500 Order page of the books. Phoenix. Yeah, the interesting. Uh, first of all, Order of the Phoenix it was my my starting point because that's the book that I had to read before I saw the movie. Mm-hmm. Even longer than Order of the Phoenix, Goblet of Fire. Yeah, Goblet of Fire was huge. No, it was. I know it was huge, but I really seem to remember that because the trivia item on that is that Order of the Phoenix is the longest book and it has the shortest movie. No, Goblet of Fire was the biggest book, and I believe until uh, the Deathly Hallows. Hallows, yes. Because Deathly Hallows, I think, over 500 pages. All right. 
Catherine's looking this up right now just to just to prove me wrong here. <laughs> but again, it's like you know, just overall, nothing, no book since or any like piece of fiction besides a few video games have cut where I've been so emotionally invested in the characters right. and want to know more about them and their world. You know, and that really world. is why Fantastic Beasts pissed me off so much. Yeah. It was a slog. Wow, no. No. Um, Order of the Phoenix is longer. Yeah, I think they all got longer after that. It was the big jump from right, um, because book three to book yeah, yeah, four. Oh, yeah. right. right, because Prisoner of Azkaban was only like a 250, 300 page. I have the four book set and it's like doop doop doop. Yeah, because yeah, I had the hard co- have all the hard covers. Yeah, and Deathly and and Half Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows are like take up like almost half the space. Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. there was talk they were actually gonna split up Goblet of Fire. Oh yeah. Into yeah. two books, and then they didn't do that. And they waited until the very end for that, which, you know, my one of my favorite movie going stories of all time. The end of uh oh, Debbie yeah. Hell's part one. <laughs> you know, they, you know, Voldemort's there. He's got the wand. He strikes it, directed by David Yates. And this guy in front of Mike goes, "That's bullshit." <laughs> <laughs> it's part one. What? Were you expecting it's anything in else? In the title. Oh my! When, that's like when I took my mom to see The Hobbit. Oh, oh god! <laughs> and we get to the end, and she's like, "What?" Aren't, I'm like, "What?" I was like, "Mom, they're making three movies, didn't you know?" That, that, that's how my mom reacted to the end of uh, Fellowship of the Ring. It's like that, um, you know, they're 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 pressing the hill. They see Mordor, and then it ends. It's like that's the end. I'm like, "Mom, mom next next part is next year." <laughs> That's bullshit. Well, they didn't have to wait two years for the next one, like yeah. Star Wars. Yep. Yeah. All right, Mike, you're up. Yep. Yep. What's your series? My series. Well, my runner-up because you took the Tortal series. Yes, I did. Is uh, the Magic Kingdom of Landover series by Terry Brooks? Okay. Um, the first book is called Magic Kingdom for Sale slash Sold. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it basically the main character is a, a Chicago lawyer, a pretty wealthy Chicago lawyer named uh, Ben. Jeez, uh, Ben. What is his uh, last name? I'll get it. Continue. But um, he, he, he's like basically it's about a year since his wife and their unborn child died in like a car accident. Oh, Jesus. And so he's like he's completely wrecked. You know his, his friends are trying to get him to you know live his life, but he's just he can't do it. And then he gets this like Christmas catalog from this like upscale store, and he's he's just Ben flipping, Holiday. Ben Holiday, and he's flipping through it, and he sees an advertisement to be the king of a magic kingdom for one million dollars. Oh, and he's like he throws it off, but he keeps going back to it, <laughs> and, he, and he's like, you know what? My life is my life is shit. I I've got to do something. So he actually he goes ahead and springs for it. And thinking it's going to be like a, a theme park. Yeah, it's like going to be a Renaissance festival. What the hell? He Why gets not? there. It's a legit Magic Kingdom, <laughs> but it's uh, it's it's basically run down. Oh, uh, the 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 huge palace is decayed and all you know all cold and you know falling apart. The only uh, the only retainers to the throne are. A, a wizard who can't do half the spells he's, he's supposed to be able to. <laughs> the court scribe who was turned into a dog by the wizard. Uh, two uh, kobolds. 
and that's pretty much it, actually. Hmm. Yeah. And yeah, nobody else in the entire um, king kingdom of Landover will respect the throne because it's been vacant for about like twenty years. Well, they keep selling it. Is the thing they keep? Yeah. Somebody, somebody's come up with a scheme where they keep selling it, making a lot of well, money, and living in the real world. Don't don't go with spoilers here. But no, nah, um, and basically, uh, I say who? <laughs> Uh, and he, he, you know, he's he, but he's a lawyer. He, he wants to, he wants to do this. He's, you know, very determined. So he sets out on a quest to try and revive this this kingdom. And then he, he finds uh, another another whopper of information. No king has ever uh, since like the twenty years. No king has ever um, made it to coronation because a a demon lord shows up at every single coronation and challenges. The king, and basically is a challenge to the death, and so it pretty much everyone just leaves after that. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there are like, I think, five, maybe six books in the series. I got through the first three. Yeah, it goes uh, Magic Kingdom for Sale Sold, The Black Unicorn, um, Wizard at Large, I think. Yes, Wizard at Large is the next one. And then the Tangle, the Tangle Box. Yep, that sounds right. And I think I want to see the Witch's Cauldron. Yep. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, I'm just going off memory. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, that sounds familiar. But it's 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 a great series because it's like I said, it's the very it's the it's not heavy fantasy. It's a light fantasy. Um, you know, Ben meets a uh, a wood nymph who decides that she's um, going to marry him. And she actually eventually does, you know, spoilers. Yes. But, yeah, it's a great series, um, and it's not not a hard read. No, it's not. No, it sounds book, like something I would enjoy. Yeah, each book is about, like, you know, eh, 300 pages, 350. Not too bad. Yeah, they're, they're pretty light, and I'm, I think they're kid-friendly. Yeah. I would say it's, I would say it's a older young adult. Cool. All right, let's move on to our favorite authors. So, yeah. um, mine, I'm going with the hard-boiled stylings of uh, James Elroy, who wrote The Black Dahlia, L.A. Confidential, oh, cool. Cool, uh, The Cool 10,000. This guy is like, the, the there is like that street-level grittiness, like that hard-boiled noir to, um, writer, that's that's James Elroy. To I've seen team. L.A. Confidential. I know LA, yeah. yeah. Oh, and the book of L.A. Confidential is... So much more in depth than that movie is. I love yeah. the movie. Don't get me wrong. The movie is one of my favorite movies. This book is just insanely good. Mm. Uh, it's just so. There's so many more twists and turns, and minor characters in the book are larger characters in the. Uh, in the it. other way around, minor characters in the movie are larger characters in the book. That's what I meant to say. Thank you. Um, I'm hoping the <laughs> the Black Dahlia is. Most of James Elroy's books are unfilmable. Like the the movie version of the Black Dahlia is. I thought that was a really weird movie, so I'm look. I, I think, a, but I was interested in the story, so I think I'll have to check out. The it's novel. a weird. Story. Yeah, the novel it's, was it's a weird story to begin with. Right, that wasn't the one with um, Josh Hartnett. Oh no, I'm thinking about the one with Milo uh, Mila Kunis and. Uh, no, um, that's Black Swan. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it, Natalie Portman. Yeah, that's right. And but the way out. he writes yep. is just very... It's so matter-of-fact. I mean, sometimes there aren't even complete sentences. So, I mean, you're, you talk about some authors just really getting lengthy in their descriptions and, like, just kind of prattle on. You know, Herbert, Tolkien, you know. Martin. Martin, exactly. Uh, James Elroy is really concise, 
to the point, and he'll throw the word fuck in there whenever he wants. So, <laughs> so I mean... Mark him a good, good author there. And if you've heard this guy being interviewed, I mean, his, his entire life story is nothing but tragedy. You know, his mother was murdered, and, you know, it's just this whole crazy thing that just turned him into... I mean, he could have been a psychopath, but instead chose to write it, write it out. About psychopaths. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Good for him. Yep. Catherine. Margaret Atwood. I've read one of her books. I have read... Um, and that's because you had to in English class. Six. No, actually, we didn't. I read it on my own, oh, yeah. on my own volition, yes. I read, I've read six so far. Okay. Um, I read Handmaid's Tale. It's like yep. everybody's entrance fee. <laughs> uh, which was... It is a very good book. Um, I read The Robber Bride. Didn't like it as much. Uh, I read the, the Mad Adam trilogy. Oryx, Oryx and Crake, uh, The Year of the Flood, and Mad Adam. Yeah. Um... And I'm really glad that I discovered them when they had all come out because they were, it's a trilogy that was released over like seven years. Oh, jeez. So, um, those are, those are, uh, spec, some of her speculative fiction, like Handmaid's Tale, uh, which, you know, it's about, you know, the end of the world. Um, and it's a very interesting take on it. And then most recently I finished reading, I bought a copy of Alias Grace and read it, and I was in the process of reading it when I found out that it was soon going to be released as a Netflix series. Oh, ooh. So I finished it before I started watching it. Uh, now available on Netflix, and that one is based on a real um, crime that was committed in Canada, uh, colonial Canada. Hmm. And uh, she did a lot of research, because there's very little known about it. Um, her afterward explains, you know, this is what, you know, these are the kinds of things I filled in um, but one of the things I just love about Margaret Atwood is her writing style and her voice. It's like, you know, the, the imagery she comes up with is unique, which is really hard to come across in modern writing. Yeah. Is she still writing now, or is she kind of... Yeah, just, uh, Alice oh. Grace is recent. Oh, all right. Did, did, got, have, have you seen the uh, Hulu series of... Um, yes. Handmaid's uh, Tale. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. I keep meaning to watch it, and it's just kind of like, oh... Watch it with him. I, 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 I kind of was in, a little interested, and then I, I heard like some interviews like, wow, this sounds really depressing. I'm going to avoid this. Oh, yes, it's extraordinarily well, the, depressing. The Handmaid's Tale is the depressing. Uh, oh, I never read the book. Did you ever see the movie? Like yes. the original movie uh, yes. with... Um, I don't know who was in it, but yeah, that was... Natasha Richardson. I did see that. Movie. Yeah. Now, that's a tough watch. So, all right. It was like it was like that and Fahrenheit 451 were yeah. like a... <laughs> Twofer. Yeah. That's when your friends had to just keep calling but, you up every half hour to make sure you're okay. Yeah, 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 my, my big, my big reason okay. for loving Margaret Atwood is just that she has such a good story style. And she's very unapologetically feminist without like being like in your face about it. Yeah. And, you know, it's not... She's... She's feminist without being I, a man-hater. I, right. I, you mean non-threatening feminists? <laughs> Yeah, she doesn't. You don't, do, you, do you need a safe space, Andy? <laughs> yeah, I just she, she, <laughs> she wants to bring women up without smacking down men. Right. No. Yeah, right. And that's, it's pretty. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's it, it's it's. You're not going to get your balls cut off today, okay? Right. Exactly. Yeah. I also appreciate that. <laughs> I I plan on returning the compliments. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe. My favorite is Stephen King. Good choice. Good choice. Um, again, this is again how I spent most of my freshman year. I was reading a shit ton. Oh, I did. I read just so much Stephen King. I had my well, my freshman and sophomore year 
Seamus Tobin was my Stephen King buddy. <laughs> yes. He and I would just toss books back and forth between each other and always marveled over the the single word of son of a bitch. <laughs> All of his early w- works. Son, son of a bitch. bitch. Yeah. <laughs> son of a bitch. Mom, what's this word mean? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I know what a son of a bitch is. What's a son of a bitch? <laughs> it's a male dog. But no, I mean, he's he's not only is he such a prolific writer, his storytelling style, and the fact that he, the thing is, he can write so many different yes. styles and write them well. You know? I still love reading his short stories. Oh, his short oh. stories are... Oh, God, which one is it? Is it Night Shift? Night Shift's one of them. Um, some, even some of his recent stuff is really excellent. I haven't read any of the... Uh, the more, I haven't read a Stephen King book in over 30 years. Oh, okay, my goodness. Last one I, well, the last one I stopped at was um, The Talisman. Yep. I've never read any Stephen King books because I don't like horror. No. Well, well, it's uh, not all horror. Not all horror. Insomnia, I mean, has got like some supernatural elements to it, but it's not terribly horrific. L- uh, Lizzie's story is actually not bad. Yeah, it's not yeah, really Lizzie's story. It, um, hmm? Yeah, Lizzie's. Like my cousin Lizzie. Lizzie's story is. I, I mean, it's a it's a love love story in kind of Stephen King style. You yeah, know, I'm it's good. it's I'm not it's thing. not so much a horror story. It's just kind of a real deep exploration and there's of, some of like his novellas yeah um, like uh, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption yeah which I'm amazed that at the yeah. bottom of every page doesn't have the TNT logo underneath it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, I, I do love that movie I, that a the, 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 book the book is so much better the book is great and yeah no horror in it um, yeah uh, yeah that, that, that yeah different seasons is, the run, yeah the Bachman yeah the no, that's not Bachman books. Oh, okay. That oh. was that was originally him. All yeah. right. Um, different different seasons. Um, four novellas, three movies. Yep. Mm. Um, it's it's, it's and, don't, and don't go by the ABC miniseries too. The books are so much better. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like, it's Tommy Knockers is awesome. Scared the shit out of you though. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to read Tommy Tommy Knockers will scare the shit out of you. Shawshank Redemption, yeah. Apt Pupil. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, the body. Uh, which is the, it's Stand, Stand by, by Me, me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. which apparently when he when Stephen King saw that in theaters he cried because it was the best adaptation of any of his work he'd seen to date. Yeah. And then I, and when I read it recently, I was like, yeah, this is like blow for blow. He also did the Langoliers, didn't he? Yes, yes, he, yes, did. he did. God, yeah. the less said about that, the better. Hey, that that movie starred Bronson Pinchot, all right. <laughs> the less said about that, the better. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, no, you're right. He is very prolific. I mean, and I, I mean, and unfortunately, yeah, with, that, with, a, that, with that volume of work, he's, he tends to he there's going to be some clunkers, especially you know, the Dark Tower series is not his best work. No, I've never read them. I've heard uh. people just talk it up, and maybe that's kind of the, you know, it's kind of like me with most John Carpenter it's, movies. It's just like. Guys, it's, shut the fuck up! I might enjoy it if you stop talking about it's it. Got, no, it's got its hardcore supporters. It's mm-hmm. very kind of niche within the Stephen King community. Yeah, because I mean, I read I read The Gunslinger in high school, and I read it again a couple of years ago when I heard the movie was coming out, and I remember <laughs> and I remember why I stopped reading after The Gunslinger because it is. I think I got into book three oh. and then quit. I'm it's like, you, you know dumb what? bastard. Well, because everybody was like, "This is so great." No, no, I'm like, problem, I'm waiting for it to get. The great. problem is, it's it, it tries to mash up so many elements into something. It's just yeah. 
That's cohesive. Another another one of his long clunkers is Hearts in Atlantis. Yes. Oh. Oh. Yeah. I remember the Anthony Hopkins movie. I think I read the book. Oh, God. Yeah, no, I mean, there are some but really... Some, oh, there are some dark clunkers, half, but The dark half. But, yeah... Dark, Dark Half was okay. Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> hey, that was Steven Spielberg's first movie. Was it? No. No, no that was the other. That was his first director. director. No, 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 you're thinking Duel. Duel. Yeah, no, no. no. Uh, Maximum that's Overdrive more, really was directed by that's Stephen right. King. And to his own admission, he said he was like 90% cocaine at the time. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was based on a very yeah. short story called Trucks, which had nothing to fucking do with Maximum Overdrive. I... I I just remember a joke that they made, I think on, a, on an MST3K episode, where they're talking about uh, a Stephen King book. He's like, this is just one of the fi- five other books he's released this year. Yeah, George R.R. R. Martin, in, 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 when they were, like had a panel or something or a discussion between the two of them, he's like, how do you write so fucking much? Because <laughs> George R.R. <laughs> R. Martin's like, three years, one book. Stephen King's like, whenever he writes one of his big novels, this is when the novellas and short stories happen, is because he's still got a lot of energy afterwards. He has yeah. to keep going. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's funny that he, you know, I, I know you hate Family Guy, but on one episode, he's sitting in there in front, you know, Stephen King, he's uh, sitting in front of his uh, his that editor. Right? His oh. editor, he's like, okay, so so what, what do you have for me uh, today? And he's kind of looking around the room, he's like, he takes a lamp. Whoa! <laughs> oh, what can you have it for me? <laughs> Okay, for my 307th book, uh, this couple is attacked by a, a, a lamp monster. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You're not even trying anymore, are you? When can I have it? <laughs> All right, Mike. Yeah, my favorite author is J.K. Rowling. See Yay! above. <laughs> no, the reason I, I, I like... I, not only did she write, you know, a fantastic book series, but it's a book series that, oddly enough, can, uh, you know, it was embraced by both American and English authors. That's very uh, true. Uh, um, audiences. Audiences, right. And that's not something that's very easy to do. And well, not, not just embraced, it was beloved. And just her skill alone, I mean, the fact that she could build a cohesive world. I mean, yeah. she, she before she even put pen to paper... She had the entire world, all its rules, laid in place, yep. had the entire plot, you know, plotted out. She knew exactly what was going to happen. You know, was, I mean, credit to her planning that she yep. pulled this off. And also, the fact that she has kept such a firm lock on the rights to those books. Not just yeah. the rights, but also to the actual... Merchandising. The merchandising, but the editing. Like, if... Yeah. It, like, if the editor wanted to change something. She just she put her foot down. Like, no, nope. N- this is my yeah. char- These are my characters. This is my book. They were doing my way. Nothing happened in that movie in those movies without her approval on it. Right. Yeah. Yep. And that is something extraordinarily rare. So hey, kudos to her for keeping hey. that level of control. Made yeah. her, Made her the richest woman in it. Yep, made her the exactly. richest person in England. In yeah. The UK. And so that that's another that's another reason why she's my favorite author. She's just so you know savvy. Yeah. Well, she's she's savvy, and she understands the 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 audience. Yeah, Cause very much so. She's not, you know, you know, like sometimes you can get the sense, like you know, in the in the movie world, that George Lucas hates the audience. He hates Star Wars fans. Yeah, yeah. You know, 
He's just like here, you know. Yeah. Misa, don't think you think so. Well, he's like, oh, he's like, God. he's like, I know you guys are gonna make me money, so I'll just shit this stuff out for yeah. you guys. You know, whereas J.K. Rowling interacts with her audiences, know understands our audiences, know what the audience wants. You know, like the 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 whole Pottermore thing. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. Hell, she uh, she like wrote like a huge epilogue that was never in any of the books about what happened to all all the characters yeah. afterwards. Yeah. It's fantastic. All right, so last on our ground table here, we're going to discuss um, underrated books that we'd like to recommend to other people. Um, these are primarily books that we stumbled upon in some, one, some way, shape, or form, and we'd like to share with you. Um, my, my pick is Year Zero by Rob Reed, which is a story about an um, entertainment lawyer who was tasked with defending... Um, this big alien federation who's been sued by the, the music industry for pirating music over the course of 30 years. <laughs> it is so brilliantly meta. Yeah. There's so much... I mean, it's, it, it very much reminds me of, um, of a Douglas Adams novel. Just in the way that it, it, it just tackles the characters and the ridiculous situations that the one sane person in the entire book finds himself in. Um, I read this about five years ago and I really, really loved it. I, you know, when I when I read a book and I really think it would make a great movie, I start mapping that out in my head. Um, and yeah, this was a really... This one was really good. I'm amazed this really fell under the radar the way it did. Yeah. Catherine. I'm going to go with Little Fuzzy by H. Beam Piper. Okay. And the Fuzzy Books. This was something... These are old books. Well, like, not like old, you know, early 60s old. Um, introduced to me by my mother. And uh, it's about a, a... It's a science fiction book where people are exploring the universe and, you know, finding sapient life on other planets. And it goes about, you know, explaining that their rule for determining whether or not a, cre- a species is sapient is whether or not they make fire. And they cut to this planet where they have these little fuzzy creatures and they're super adorable and they don't make fire. Are they intelligent? And over the course of time they figure out that they have language. Ah. And this is actually, this is some book art here. Uh, if you Google H. Beam Piper, you'll come up with Little Fuzzy. Too long out of print. Well, this book was priced at a buck twenty-five, so you can tell that it's old. It's, it's, it's old. old. So, this is a, a picture of the main character who was a uh, prospector on a planet, finding these crystals that they have, and with several fuzzy. They're adorable little fuzzy people. They're about knee high. It, it looks vaguely like a uh, where the uh, 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 what's that one with the. With the kid in the monster suit, with, with where the, the wild things are. Yeah, well, it looks very similar to that. With because the, the fuzzies look like they're in like little fuzzy suits. Well, that's probably just the artist's fault. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but it's you know it's a really cute expo. It's it's a fun. It's not necessarily. It's not really cute. It's definitely adult reading. Um, but a fun exploration of what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. And uh, the second book expands on that. And there's a third book that was put together by the estate after the author committed suicide. Jesus! Oh, um, wow, okay. Which pulled together, you know, stuff... A manuscript he'd been working on, they finished it off and put it out. And uh, you can find some of his other writing. So I really enjoy it. I need to dig up a copy because I'd huh. love to read it again. Cool. 
Joe, do you have one? My uh, underrated recommendation is American Gods by Neil Gaiman. Oh, I read that. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Started reading that. Yeah, I, have you been watching the show? Yes. Yeah, uh, the show. I that, watched the show because I, I read the book. Right, and I really I, enjoyed I, the I'm book. amazed at how close they did. The show is job. to the book. It's very, very close. <coughs> Neil Gaiman's an interesting case for me because I don't love all of his things. I do enjoy. Um, what was it? Bad Omens. Okay. Yeah, Bad Omens. Yeah. Oh, Sophia oh, yeah. loves Coraline. I, I, I believe they're making Bad Omens into a they series. They are making Bad yeah. Omens into a series yeah. with David Tennant and yeah. somebody else. But yeah, no, American oh, Gods. Uh, Michael is, Sheen. Michael Sheen. Okay. I mean, uh, American Gods is a very, very good book. It is. Yeah, I haven't it, read that one yet. It. I just. I love like the disparate. You, you know. You know how I. I kind of slagged on guns on uh, the Dark Tower series because yeah. it's, it's trying to. All these disparate kind of genres into and themes into this just like lump. Well, Neil Gaiman does that with American Gods, but he actually pulls it off right. yeah. and does it very, very well. He's very—he's been doing that kind of thing for a while, and he's really skilled at it. Well, and, and, and what got me into it is because I read The Sandman when I was a kid. Right. You know, the the, the graphic yeah. novel series, which was just blew my mind. It's like wow. So you know, when American Gods came out, I was like, oh, I know Neil Gaiman. I got to read this. I met him once. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I met him in 1999. Wow. I was uh, out at uh, one time I ever, I ever went to Comic Con, um, and they had the pr- the English dub premiere of Princess Mononoke, and, oh, which Neil cool. Gaiman uh, adapted. Oh, and he was he... there. He was there for Q and A. That's cool. Well, he, you, you want to talk about prolific? I mean, he's pretty prolific too. Oh, yeah. And the, right. all the sort of different things he writes. Like I said, Sophia loves Coraline. Yeah. And another one of his very underrated, like American Gods, has been made into a TV series. Another one of right, his but books a lot of people, did, a lot of people didn't real don't realize that it was a novel. You know, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, typical those TV. those of us who love Neil right. Gaiman know it was. Um, I'm going to throw out Neverwhere as another one of his books. Oh, that's the, yeah. the, the author. The author's preferred edit is the one to go with. Yeah. Right. He made that into a BBC miniseries, actually. Neverwhere. Yeah. Oh, well, oh, I don't know a... if it's his preferred editor. It, it's it's like I think four or five episodes. Maybe six. Was it Marvel 1602 that he wrote? I believe so. Yeah, Marvel 1602. He wrote that where all the Marvel characters are. Yeah, which is really cool. Um, All right, Mike. Yeah, I've got got, uh, books. Uh, The author is Douglas Hill. Yeah? Um, Interesting. Uh, Well... When I went to when I was going to high school, I went to high school at a private school in Lexington. Okay. And so getting home every day mean meant getting a bus from Lexington to the Concord Library, oh. and then waiting there waiting there for the five thirty train to Leominster. Oh. So oh, I goodness. spent the like com- the commute, two, yeah. two or three hours a, a, every single day in the Concord Library. Wow. And I would just you know every now and then I just wander around and just and I look, went into the young adults books. Uh, book series section and I found these this author Douglas Hill and he wrote particularly these two series called the Colsec series and the Blade of the Poisoner series okay uh, Colsec is a sci-fi series basically about like a, these these uh, yeah, older teens young adults that are exiled by this super mega corporation that pretty much r- runs the world right named Colsec and then they've got to survive out in the wasteland, and they kind of form this re- rebellion against them. That's a trilogy of books. 
And the Blade of the Poisoner is uh, just two books, but it's that's more fantasy. Um, the Blade of the Poisoner is about this this kid that this like cruel like duke or lord uh, hits him with this magic sword that basically if he if he doesn't destroy both the duke and the sword in thirty days he dies. Huh. Uh, and so he gets a group of um, skilled individuals and they help him out. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean they're they're not long books at all. I mean. To like, uh, I think anywhere from maybe 150 to 300 pages each. That's not too bad. No, um, so they're really quick reads, but they're fun. Uh, it's just, like I said, you know, I had two or three hours to kill every single day, and so these were, and they, they, they got my interest. So, yeah. yeah, cool. All right. Uh, and yeah, I mean, the, the guy died in 2007, but I actually went on the Kindle and bought every single one of all three of the Colossus series and both of the Blade of the Poisoner series, 2.99 each. Nice. On Kindle. Can't beat that. No. Cool. All right. Now, quickly, before we wrap the show up, are there any books that come to mind that have become your white whale? Like, you cannot finish them no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you put your mind to it. The one that comes to me is Catch-22 by Joseph Heller. I should be able to breeze through this book. You would think. The book is only, it's less than 300 pages long. I cannot get through it. Is it bad? It's not bad. It's just tough to wrap your mind around it, I guess. Uh-huh. Dense? I don't even know if it's dense. It's just like Heller had ideas that do not sync with the way my brain works, apparently. I, I really don't know. If, there's no reason why I can't finish it. I've had ideas like that. But my brain is just like, you know what, Shut you're up. done. Shut off. Tap yeah. up. Yep. Tap. <laughs> No, I've got, I've got ideas that his mind can't wrap around. So, yeah. I'm going to go off of what I, instead of what I wrote down before I had, you know, something that I should be able to get through, and I've managed to get through everything else is uh, like the Winds of Fate series and the Griffin series by Mercedes Lackey. Because oh. I just, you know, I read them and at some point I just wind down and I'm like, oh my god, this is one of the reasons why I love the Tamara Pierce books is they're not so formulaic. Yeah, no. Mercedes Lackey is. Boom, you know, three books, you meet the true love of your life, you go off, you know, and there's there's hard shit, but it's it's your true love and your soulmates and you're meant to be together and you have a psychic bond and huh. it just gets so tedious I've after heard a while. of those books. They're called Twilight. <laughs> no. <Ooh. laughs> no, completely, completely different. Every time it. someone reads a, a Twilight book, another book commits suicide. <laughs> But yeah, the the those you know the Griffin series, I was enjoying it for something different. But then it goes, it got into the same draggy formula again, and I was just like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. Yeah, Joe, the Godfather. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah you mentioned you can't just, get through I can't, it. I cannot get. Through Which is it. funny. It's not a big book. It's not, but for some reason, I just I, ugh, I just tap out. I just like it's, I get from like the first. Yeah, you know, the problem like, is, is that once once Michael is in Sicily and Vito is in the hospital, they move to every side character known right, to man. Exactly, it's like I don't care. And about it's, these I don't people. give a shit about these people. I, I didn't mind that book actually. Uh, it's just it, it, it's 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 a, tough. It's a tough read. Puzo again. It was a tough read for me. I should say. Puzo. I mean, it was it was essentially male Harlequin novel. It's really yeah. what it was when it came out. No, it was a pulp novel when it came yeah. out. Yeah, it was. And the only thing that, you know, the reason why it's as regard, well-regarded now is because it spawned two amazing movies. movies. Yeah. 
It, it does kind of cram, cram both Godfather Part 1 and 2 into one. Yeah. Book. Yeah. What else? Mike, you got one? Yeah, my, my White Whale is the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Which is a nerd. you got to hang your head low oh, on that hang one, man. It, hang it, Shane. I'm, hang it, Shane. But you know what, though? I can understand. I've tried. I can completely understand. I've well, the, tried, I, I would understand if he said the Silmarillion. I've, I've tried reading through that book, those those that trilogy, three separate times. I've made it as far as like <coughs> maybe halfway through the the Return of the King. I'm like, I wow, I, I can't do it anymore. Wow, you got the point where I'm reading it and I'm just like, stop singing. <laughs> that's, the, that's the time where I want to read it in paper instead of listening to the audiobook because I just want to be like alright skip the song yeah. I don't care Tol- Tolkien goes off and rambles way too oh. much to keep my interest he, he I, I, I respect the, uh, him forever for what he did in the books and but if I'm, they had streamlined the thing the, the entire trilogy would have been 800 pages just, long just take a few songs out please <laughs> I don't need to hear Aragorn sing about his like his mother's or oh whatever. It's a good thing, I, it's I a good thing they didn't make it into a musical. Oh, they could easily could have. They, they did. They did. They in did. Canada. Right. They, yeah. yeah. Do you remember that footage? Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, the yeah, show. Yeah. And that's why I love the movie so much because there are all the good parts about the books and none right. of the filler. Autumn actually asked an interesting question though. If if someone was going to listen to the audio edition of Lord of the Rings, do they do the appendices as well? Actually, oh, actually the, 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 the appendices were part of the one of the, one of the best parts that I enjoyed about the books. Yeah. It's just just I a question. My, I think my mom has an audio book of the Silmarillion. Oh, my God. Actually. Oh, God. <laughs> actually, my, my favorite appendix from those is, like, it's the end of, at the end of one of them is, like, um, it's telling the story about how um, Gimli and Legolas eventually just sail off uh, um on their own, yeah, into into and, wherever, and, yeah, into the west. You know, they're two consenting adults; they can do whatever they want. And, and right. not, but in the last phrase, the last sentence after that is like, "And with the passing of those two, came to the end of the fellowship of the ring in in Middle Earth." Yeah, I was like, "That is just such a great way to conclude the, the so series." <laughs> but I mean, it's like, wish you'd been that verbose, that, yeah. that brief the rest of the books. I wish there was so much brevity. Oh. So anyway, good, good good conversation. This wow. is a lot longer than I expected. Because I, yeah. I was looking at the timer a little while ago like, wow, we're going to finish this in like an hour 15. Nope. nope. Yeah, we, we have a lot to say about yeah. books, it turns out. Yeah, so, a, lot of, yeah. a lot of things we didn't talk about, yeah. like Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. Oh, I, I completely forgot about those ones. Yeah. We might have to do another book series. Oh my God. Yeah, the other ones. Yeah. Episode 300. Yep. So anyway, uh, our next episode is our 10th anniversary. It's our 10th annual Christmas special. Yay! Yay! And we're actually going to go back to something we did earlier this year for the first time. We're going to do another riff commentary. <laughs> and this one is for an all-time Christmas classic My with a K. Christmas movie of all time. A, it's a, up there. a Christmas story. Yep. In fact, when I when I had mentioned this scrooged. on Twitter, um, a, a friend of mine, Keith Martin, had mentioned you can't riff on perfection. I'm like, well, if you can't riff on perfection, then we are truly lost as a society. <laughs> <laughs> there is nothing that is untouchable. In fact, I'm already working on comedy even, bits for this even thing. The, perfection demands even more. Exactly. Perfe- the level of scrutiny this movie has received. I, uh, I don't know what I'm going to be able to say about it. I might just sing along with the movie and leave it at that. Just <laughs> watch, you know, watch it once, come up with your own jokes, and you know, just try and try and uh, 
Try not to think about what... Uh, what the, the old man is saying. Oh, no, what the actor that played, uh, not Schwartz, the other one. Oh, Flick. Yeah. Played by Schwartz. Yeah. Well, try not to think about his later works. His later, his later career. Oh, dear. So... Yeah. <laughs> Can I just think about Zach Ward instead? Sure. sure. So, yeah. anyway... He was in Freddy vs. Jason. Zach Ward? Why would you? Yes. Why was he in that? I'll tell you that, Lieutenant. All right. So... He was also in Resident Evil and uh, an episode of Dollhouse. There's a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, so this is really a non-participatory thing. However, we do want you to so make sure... Well. So make sure that you have your DVD copy of Christmas Story when you listen to the show. Or, uh, or, or, or 24 or, hours. No, on, no, on Turner, no. On Turner Classic Movies, as soon as, as, soon as, the, turkey, as, soon as the turkey dinner's digested. Yep. Just so sure and pause for the commercials. Yeah. Yep. Also, you can check out our uh, entire Geek Salad archives at geeksalad.podbean.com or download the app. It's available everywhere. Uh, you can get uh, past episodes of our show also at um, the Stitcher app and the iTunes store. And you can email us at geeksaladradio at gmail.com or at geeksaladradio on Twitter. Or and also check out our Facebook page, which is just Geek Salad Podcast. Yep. So until next time, I'm Andy. I'm Mike. I'm Joe. I'm Catherine. Go forth and be nerdful. We'll talk to you soon. Read a motherfucking book. Pound and the usual. With Mario Puzo. Who's a funny fella? W.B. Kinsella. Who brought the cat? With Margaret Atwood. Who needs a shade? He's Robertson Davey. I thought they started a food fight. Salmon moose all over the scene. Spilled some dressing on Doris Lessing. These writer types are a scream. I like to go out dancing. My baby loves a bunch of authors. We'll be together for ages. Eating and sleeping and. Eating and sleeping and. Eating and sleeping and. Turning pages. Yeah! Mother. Mother. Are you all right? There was a small golden man reading to me from a dirty book. Of course, Mother, yes.